You know, remember, we're in the world, but not of the world. Other people look at success and it's marked by their bank account or how big their house is. That's not our definition of success. Hey, Remnant, welcome to the podcast, episode 10. So great to see the podcast growing. And for all you new listeners, you know, this whole podcast is designed for men, to help men. We want to help you become better fathers, better husbands, better leaders. Uh, maybe you're dating, you're engaged, whatever your life stage is, we want to help you grow. And so today's episode is a special one. We've got a, a panel that I did with Pastor David Delacruz and Tim Lutz, one of our Remnant leaders. And it was an Ask Anything session. So super candid, guys were able to ask anything about anything. It actually comes from a session we did at the Remnant Wilderness Retreat, which was which is really cool. We talked about multiple subjects. Uh, some of it was pretty, very practical, uh, fatherhood. Uh, we talked about marriage. We had everything in the book. I think you're really going to like it. It was it was pretty memorable uh, overall as a session. And I just say, pardon my voice. And, you know, I actually lost my voice going up to the retreat. And so you'll even hear me in this uh, in this uh, panel sounding a little bit hoarse, so you have to pardon that. But you know what? We had fun with it. I kind of sounded like the Kool-Aid man and it was what it was. So I think you're gonna like this podcast. It's a lot of fun. I think it's gonna help you. And so let's jump in and let's listen to the first question. Somebody asked, should I believe every single part of the Bible? Take a look at this. When we look at all 66 books of the Bible, you know, you can't pick and choose. It's not a buffet. The entire book is inspired by God. There are some parts we like to read, you know, the Psalms are fun to read, the Proverbs give us wisdom. Sometimes when we get to the epistles, it's a little more convicting because God's putting his finger on stuff in our life that needs to go. But I would encourage you to read all of the scriptures. Um, of course, we're going to have your favorite parts of the Bible and some parts are going to be a little more helpful and you can read them more, more often like the Gospels, the epistles, the you know, Proverbs, the Psalms. You know, I'm a Bible teacher and I'll be honest, I don't spend a lot of time in like the prophetic books in the Old Testament because a lot of those books were already fulfilled. A lot of those prophecies came to pass already, but there's still value. There's still wisdom there. There's still principles that we can glean from there. So if you're tempted to just start picking and choosing which verses and books of the Bible you're going to read from, that's, uh, that's dangerous territory. That's good. Let's, uh, let's keep going. If you could choose one thing, what is your top tip for a long, lively, healthy marriage slash dating relationship? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder uh, how many times I'm going to do that. That that seems like just a, like a wide, like, chicken Yeah, it is. One thing, your top tip for a long, lively, healthy marriage or relationship. Like a, like a top tip. Just one top, just the top. Christ has to be in the center of it, period. Period, end all. And you can figure out all the semantics of, of how to get that to happen, but if Christ isn't in the center of it, it's it's game over as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm always blown away but when you see marriages in the world that seem like they're healthy and thriving and stuff, but but they're not Christ followers. It's like, are, are they? Is that just are they lucky? Are they? Is that a setup for failure? But for us, I, I think Christ has to be at the center of it. If I could just jump in there, yeah. Uh, the more that I meet with couples, the more I realize some people don't realize the purpose of marriage, and obviously you're there to love one another and procreate and have have babies. But when you read Genesis and then you read the Gospels, you realize that Jesus doubled down on the idea of marriage as the, br the bringing together of two. So it really is about unity and oneness. And I would say, you know, for the married guys in the house, make sure you protect that. Protect the unity, the oneness, strive for that. It's not solved on your wedding day. You know, I've been married for 20-something years, 21 years, 22 years. I'm just going to want some, like, want some those. <laughs> Bail me out here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
And I'm working on that. I'm working on unity and oneness. So you're going to spend the rest of your life, you know, striving for that, for that uh, unity. When it when it comes when it comes to dating, why are men expected to do all the chasing, Pastor David? First of all, I don't know if I'm the best guy to be asking about dating. I mean, it's been a long time. All right, Tim. When it comes to dating, why are men expected to do all the chasing? No, that's better. I've been married almost 15 years. All right, Wanson, when it comes to dating. <laughs> all right, you guys are going to make me answer this. Why? So who's saying that? Why are, why are men It's anonymous, Tim. I have no idea. I'm just I, reading the questions. I, I agree with it. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you think about like Pastor Jordan said earlier about like protecting the daughters of our house, like you want them going after guys and say, hey, what's up? You seem like a friendly fellow. No, you want them as far away from you as possible. And then. Let the men of the house say like, hey, this, this would be a good fit. This might be a good thing. So I think plain and simply, you know, God designed us to be the head of the household. And, um, and not that, you know. Well, I was just going to say, I think it comes down to men are supposed to be the leaders. And I think part of leadership is taking the initiation. And I think that's why it's so important that at the beginning of the relationship, it's the guy who's the initiator, who's taking that step towards leadership. It's kind of setting the pattern for the rest of the marriage. If she's the one initiating and she's the one that's then leading the beginning of the relationship, you've just set the pattern for the rest of the America. That's so good. Jesus tells us to be bold and courageous. How do you combat fear if it's latched onto you to the point that your voice trembles, even when it comes to speaking the truth? What do you guys think? I mean, I, I think we all are going to deal with fear. It's like the most common command of the Bible, do not fear. So fear is going to try to get on you and it, it's going to, you know, sink its hands into you, but you're not going to receive it. You don't have to make that a part of who you are. So you're not a fearful person. Fear may get on you, but you don't have to receive it. I love too, you know, G um, Jesus talks about it in Matthew, like not worrying about tomorrow. You know, it's such a weird concept in a culture that we're so ambitious and we've got the five-year plan and that's good, but it, it says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, will, you know, um, it will worry about itself. And you think about the concept of fear. Where's a lot of our fear come from? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to, you know, get, get through school? How am I going to do all this stuff? But Jesus had such like a present, you know, perspective. And so I think that's one of them. It's just being present, being present in, in what God's given you. It's why we have to ask for our daily bread. It's all we're called to handle. When we start to try to handle more, it's when we deal with anxiety and stress and burnout and we start to numb out because we can't handle it. So we've got to compensate. So be, be that's present. awesome. And it's a spirit. Fear is a spirit that gets on you. Yeah. You got to pray. You know, it's, it's more spiritual than it is natural. So I really like this question. Is it okay for my wife to have a separate bank account? How can I go about it? It really bugs me. Um, I remember when I got married, we went to the bank and uh, my wife and I, Melissa, we said to them, hey, we want to combine our bank accounts. And the teller looked at me, he goes, are you sure? And I said, uh, yeah, I want to combine our bank accounts. Because let me tell you, are you guys really sure you want to do this? I'd really recommend that you don't do it. Because then, you know, if any, I said, no, 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 we want to combine our bank accounts. And he goes, are you sure? Like if you, he really was pushing back, but he doesn't understand that. See, when it comes to marriage, you are one and everything is one. And there's got to be that mutual agreement. And so if my wife and I, we said like, look, we're not going to go into this thing, leaving any room for the possibility or the chance of like, hey, but you know what, if we ever do have to separate it, we'll make it a little bit easier. No, combine the bank accounts. 
And, and so for us, that, now that was for us something very, uh, that we both agreed upon, that we were both able to do. Um, and so I think that's just, I want to share that to help you and encourage you. Like there could be a conversation there, but anything to add? I, it, I think I led with that when we were talking about what's the point of marriage. It's oneness. It's unity. It's bringing together of two. So it's no longer two accounts, two lives, two goals. But now there's one vision. There's one bank account. Yeah, there's one house. It's not your bills and my bills. Now you're introducing, well, that's your responsibility, not my responsibility. Why don't you pay attention to your... That's not what the marriage is supposed to be about. You're in this together. And I think there's an element of accountability, right? Like, you know, maybe the guy who sounds like he's asking this question doesn't want to be like, hey, you probably shouldn't trust me with my own bank account, but let's be real. Like, it's it's about accountability. Like, and maybe she makes a lot more money. You know, we got married. I was getting through college. My wife made more than twice as much money than me and ran our finances. So, you know, it's like, but, but there's that trust in there where when you have the same bank account, number one, you feel like you can take on more. So there's like a financial aspect of it where, you know, you're combining your incomes. There's accountability, right? That you're not going to go, you know, support your $400 a month sneaker fetish or whatever it is, like, because you know your wife's going to find out. You know? and, and, and you hear crazy stories about guys that have their own accounts and secret accounts and stuff, and it's, it's dangerous. That's awesome. On a very practical level, what does it look like to actually pastor your family? Do you share scriptures you're reading, pray together? We'll talk about that. I think all of the above. Um, in my home, it's in Deuteronomy, it talks about, in Deuteronomy 6, it talks about what it looks like. And it's literally when you're walking down the street with your kids, uh, when you're putting them to bed, when you're you know, working, when you're in the car, when you're on vacation. It's just incorporated into the conversation, into the rhythms of your life. It's not a Sunday thing. It's a Monday thing. And it's a Friday thing. It's not a vacation thing. It's a Christmas thing. It's a dinner table thing. It's just something that you do together. So it's not this special. It's like not like you compartmentalize your life, like here's my church life and my spiritual life. But it's, this is our life. This is how we live. It's awesome. This is for the married folks. If not married, cover your ears. Just kidding. But maybe, I don't know. You know you. I don't know you. How can I ask my wife to be more intimate? It's a good question. It's just a loaded question. Um, how about before you ask your wife to be more intimate, you, you have a self-assessment of how, how healthy are you sexually? Are you, are you are you masturbating? Are you looking at porn? Are you looking at Instagram girls? How available are you to her to be intimate with? Do you hold her hand when it's not going to lead to something? Do you ask her how her day was? Like, ask that's a little, Don't ask your wife to be more intimate with you. Show her that you're someone that wants to be more intimate with. Show her that you, she's the only woman you thought about all week. That she's the only woman that you looked at all week. See how intimate she. You're not going to have to ask. She'll she'll show you. What do you think, Pastor Dave? Uh, I remember 20 something years ago when I got married, going through the marriage counseling and, uh, and uh, the book that I read just talked about how men are like microwaves and women are like ovens. And it's like, when it comes to the sexuality, men are like, what Please, turn say it that off. again, it say it again, much. say it again for the back. It doesn't take notes. It doesn't take much, but for women, you gotta, you gotta warm them up, right? You gotta preheat the oven. So you don't jump on her at night. But like, you know, in the morning, before you leave for work, you embrace your wife. Let her know she is going to be in your mind all day. Text her throughout the day. I miss you. I love you. I hope every married guy in this room, before you go home to your wife tomorrow, you stop by the store and get her flowers. You get her a gift. You prize her and show her just how much she's honored. She's loved. Pursue your wives. 
Because a woman loves to be pursued. They want to be captivated by your attention. But if our attention is on Instagram or on work or on other things, and then we just come home and expect them to just love us and fall, fawn over us. You know, you're living in another world. You're living in a fantasy. I heard someone shout out Valentine's Day is coming up. But yeah, I mean, if you're not living that out, man, throughout the week, it's like, don't, don't bother on Valentine's Day. You can go buy the $100 of flowers and stuff, but if you're not paying attention to her throughout the week and you're not being who you're supposed to be in God, oh, s- save the money, man. Go, go, get, go pay for counseling. It's very real. <laughs> it's very real. Let's hit the other. Let's hit the other spectrum now. First time dating as a Christian. What are some good do's and don'ts? First time dating as a Christian. As a Christian. Did you catch that? I did. Not first time dating as a Christian. So that implies that okay, they they're, they've dated not as a non Christian. I'm assuming. I'm assuming, right? It's first time dating as a Christian. Um, first and foremost, slow your roll. You know, the Bible says um, in Song of Solomon, do not awaken love until it's time. Don't awaken love until it pleases. Love and sexuality, right? It's like an engine. You put the key in there and you want to just start it and think it's going to idle. No, it has to go somewhere. So I got married at 21, right? For a lot of reasons. A lot of them, like the engine started, where's this thing going to go, right? So you're you're dating as a, as, um, as a Christian and you're older and you are ready to date and you have a job and she has a job and you're not, you're not living in your parents' basement and you have somewhere you want to be and, and you know who you are in Christ and you're not hopefully, first of all, if you're a baby Christian, you're a new Christian, p- put that away. Don't, don't date. So if you're asking that question, if you're asking that question, like how do you date as a, as a Christian, maybe you're newer and, and, and the answer for that is probably don't. God will bring that along, you know, the best advice I ever got was Pastor Steve said, you know, you'll be walking along and she'll be walking along. You're, you're following Christ. She's following Christ. And you look over at each other. It's like, oh, hey, you going this way? All right, let's, let's go together. So don't, awesome. don't rush it. Um, and you need a lot of accountability. When it is the right time, check with your crew leader, your tribe leader. Check with five solid leaders in the church. Say, what do you think about this? Not, hey, hey, Pastor, I um, want to let you know this is uh, so-and-so. We decided to date. That's not accountability. That's not laying it at the altar and saying, hey, this is your will, God. Let it be done, but I'll, but I'll step back and, and wait till it's time. Like what Yoda said, unlearn, right? Or unlearn what you have learned. I think he, was that a Yoda? I'm hazy right now. I'm not sure. I can't remember the quote. It's all tea I'm drinking. But you just got to like un- deprogram those things that maybe you learned when you were not a Christian, right? Maybe you had some bad examples, bad models in your life, your dad or you know, some, some friends and just unlearn some of those things and talk to, like Tim said, find some wise men in the house. Like pastor was preaching about earlier about those Kings, right. That, that are in this same kind of fight we're in and glean some, some wisdom from them. Find out what are the boundaries? What are the guideposts that we should be looking for? Right. Cause they, like on a practical note too, like if you are healthy and you're dating and you're wondering how to do that successfully, like talk to people, but like, but have those boundaries in place, right? Nothing good happens. Like at nighttime, you don't want to be alone. You don't want to be setting yourself up it's like, you know, we, we, we talk about Atomic Habits, that book we read last year and stuff, and, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. We'll read it again. Yeah, for sure read it again. But set yourself up for success. Don't set yourself up for temptation and then wonder, oh, we fell. I don't know what happened. You know, we were just laying on our bed at midnight. Our parents were on vacation in the Berkshires. Like, no, set yourself up for success. Like, don't be there. Like, read, read, read Proverbs 7, you know, that talks a lot about, like, it's the man at night, at dusk, Walking down the road, right, where the prostitute is, like, and it's all a setup. Um, so there are practical steps you can do. Like, you don't want to awaken that engine. You don't want to start that. You don't want to do like 
the heavy touching stuff, but it's not sex, but it's this. It's only going to lead one way. Right. What Bible passage supports singles to be celibate before marriage? Just, you have, I'm sure many of them pick whichever one you want. The Bible commands us to avoid sexual immorality. And that's a big, that's a loaded term. The sexual immorality is any sin or any sex outside of sex with your wife. So that's a giant word. That includes pornography. That includes uh, sleeping, you know, with a woman that's not your girlfriend. Uh, excuse me, not your wife. Uh, it includes lust. All of that sexual sin fits under that. So the Bible is very clear about that. Avoid sexual sin or sexual immorality. And, and he also says that you become one. Having sex with someone, you literally become one with someone. You're connected in your soul. You're connected in your spirit. Why would you do that outside of the, the confines of marriage? And why would you play house and say, you know what, we'll have all the benefits, but we won't actually make that commitment before God? It's awesome. What is God's definition of a successful life? What is God's definition? Did Jesus say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. So I think it's uh, having that servant heart, serving God, being faithful to him. And what does that look like? I think it's not just faithful, you know, to church or to ministry, you know, to our teams, but it's faithful to your wife, faithful to your employer, faithful to your children, being faithful in all the areas that God has placed you to, to lead or to serve or to be an influencer. In that. No, I, th I just think to that point, I, I think what was the question again is like, how does God define that? Yeah, what's God's definition of a successful life? Successful life, um, following his will, you know? And, and I think to Pastor David's point of, well done, good and faithful servant, they were faithful in doing what he wanted, right? Not just faithful and then doing what we wanted and stuff like that. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think that comes from the story of the talents, right? And, and, and what God's given us, to some he gave one, to some he gave two, and, it, and you know, and he calls us to... to invest in his kingdom. Um, he calls us to put his kingdom first, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all else will come. So I, I, I think for me, a successful definition is like, did, did I give it all to God? Did I lay it all down? Did I do your will? Because that's, he, a, that's a different definition than the world's definition right. of success. That's why it's just, you know, remember we're in the world, but not of the world. So other people look, look at success and it's marked by their bank account. It's marked by just how hot their wife is or how big their house is, that's not our definition of success. It's not how hot your wife is, but how faithful are you to the wife that you have, right? And how faithful are you to your children, to, to the church, the ministry, to God? And if, I think I would just add, um, does, does he know me? Does God know me? Because, you know, it gets into works. He says, many of you are going to cast out demons in my name, heal the sick, um, you know, set people free and stuff. And wouldn't we love that? Wouldn't that be like, hey, we made it. Like, hey, I healed this guy. I cast out demons. And he said, you'll still come to me. And I might say, sorry, depart from me. I never knew you. So I think you could do a lot of works and a lot of good things and be in the church and serve. But um, but do you know Jesus? Have you really given him every part of you? And, and, and does he know you? That's awesome. You know something is involved with the success of your life um, on whether or not it matters in eternity. You know, like, like the souls of your children and of your family. That's eternal. That's success. If you can have children who are saved, a spouse who is saved, friends who are saved, you know, worship and having a heart that worships God, that's successful because you'll take that with you to heaven and you'll worship him. You know, having the mind of Christ 
is successful because we'll be with Christ in spirit in heaven. And so that's one way to look at it. Is it eternal? If so, it's probably part of your success. So how do you balance career and Christianity? I feel like I'm always working and thinking about my career more than my faith. How do you balance? Why do I feel like I'm always thinking about my career more than my faith? I can start. I feel like I could take this one. Um, I work for a, a huge healthcare company. I, I have a corporate job, um, you know, and 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 I think um, I'm. I think that balance starts with a decision. I think before you're you're put into a position where you have to balance. If you're there and you haven't thought about it before, you might make the wrong decision, or who knows, you know. Is money going to influence me this week? Are our bills tight? Do I need that promotion? So before the, there's a, a chance to have that, you, you know, where you're weighed in the scales, have that decision. What comes first? Am I putting Christ first? And I have always in my, in my you know, in my personal life and in, in my wife's personal life, we've made a decision to put Jesus first, our family first, and the church first before our careers and stuff. And I've been unbelievably blessed. And um, it took me a long time to get there. And, you know, it took me, I, I went through college, it took me 10 years to get through college and I had, you know, different jobs and stuff like that. But, but when that was, you know, given to me and when God said, can you be faithful with this? I, I didn't let it get to me. I wasn't going to be, be, um, persuaded by the next promotion. And if you're the guy putting in a hundred hours, you know, a, a week in the office, Hey, maybe you'll be considered. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what, for me personally, this is, this isn't, I don't say this bragging. I'm just telling you from experience, um, I'm at the church when the doors are open. Every opportunity I get, and I'm and I'm arguably busier than maybe half of you. But but you make the time, and my job could be demanding. You know what I mean? But um, but you make the time and you make it work. And so it starts with a decision, and then how to balance it becomes a, a priority. Well, what's a priority? Well, I need to be at the remnant retreat. But my boss said, you know, you could get time and a half to work this week, and bills are kind of tight. I feel like if you haven't made that decision yet, and those come. It's like the guy who builds his house on the sand. The waves are going to come, and you don't want to be making that decision in that moment, guys. Anything to add, Pastor Dave? I mean, my uh, my career is my 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 walk. Right, so it's a little different, right? Um, but even in the busyness of working in the church and working with the church, I still have to have a tight personal strong relationship with Jesus right my relationship with Jesus isn't just isn't just about my ministry right towards other people so the same is true you know for all of us you're you're, you're gonna work you're gonna be successful in your careers and your jobs but then what is that personal relationship and that personal time with the Lord look like making sure you have that time carved out daily in prayer or reading the scriptures you're talking about the word you're discussing it of course you're here on Sundays you're you're serving serving the church and the community I it's awesome. I'm going to do one more. Is that okay? Is it possible to hear God's voice when we pray? Is it possible to hear his voice when we pray? Assuming they mean audibly his voice. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, I've been a Christian for like, I grew up in the church um, and I've heard God's voice, but never audibly, never had that opportunity. I know many people I've heard of other pastors and Christians who have heard the voice of God, but I have not heard the audible voice of God. I felt very strong impressions. I felt God leading me. I felt God speaking to me, but not the audible voice. You understand the difference? Yeah, I agree. I, for me, the, the, the closest I've ever come is like, if you were to like scream in your head right now, you know, uh, uh, it was like, it was that, and it was clear and it was God. And it was an, it was an external thought put into my head. And that's how I would describe hearing from God. But, but I think, I think practically 
you know, hearing by definition is just kind of receiving a message from someone else. Like, like absolutely. Like we pray to hear from God. I feel like I have heard what you just said. I was driving one day and um, I was driving home. I had a green 1996 Acura Integra and I was on 99 and I was going home and I did not sleep all night and I was falling asleep at the wheel. And you know, like when you fall asleep and you wake up and you're like, oh, oh and, you sh- and you're awake and you're good. That happened to me once. The second time I, I was out, like I was out cold. And in my head, I heard, wake up. Just like that, super loud. I woke up and that last minute, you guys know 99 where like it drops off in the quarry. My car was going towards the, the barrier. And I woke up and I cut my wheel and I said, thank you, God. And I don't know exactly if I heard it real or if it was in my head, but I heard it. And I remember to this day, I heard a a shout and I believe it was God saying, wake up. Or I could have been in a pretty terrible accident. So does God speak to you? I think so. Does it sound like my voice does on the speaker? No, probably sounds better, but I think he'll speak to your heart. I think you'll speak to your heart. Remnant, I hope you like this podcast and this episode. I hope it was helpful to you and uh, practical as well. And so if you haven't yet, I'd ask you to subscribe. Go to remnantman.com forward slash subscribe. There you can put your email in and you'll sign up to get monthly updates from me. I send out a monthly report video, just nailing out the details and, and the happenings of Remnant every single month. And of course, Remnant Night is coming June 6th, coming up real quick. The Remnant are getting together. Thanks for listening to this podcast. God bless the Remnant.